1: everyone welcome to another episode of raptors over everything brought to you by yahoo sports canada you guys already know the deal like subscribe leave a comment click the notification bell so you don't miss another episode i'm joined by katie Heindel today katie what is up how are you
2: i'm doing well got my first coffee of the day ready to go the sun is shining the raptors have won <laughs> Feels it's good. so
1: nice it's so nice when the sun is shining in the Raptors one now I've not stepped foot outside so I don't know if it's one of those deceiving um sunny days but uh yeah that is that is very nice I want to talk about beating the phoenix suns I should have used the, <laughs> the 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 segue there of the sun
2: yeah but I didn't
1: oh well <laughs> <laughs> So the Raptors, it's so much more enjoyable doing these podcasts after a win. I was so sure I was gonna come in here and be like, all right, so they lost another game, you guys. <laughs> but no. Um, or thoughts on on what the Raptors did last night beating the, the Phoenix Suns.
2: Well, you run out of things to talk about when they're just losing all the time. Because how many ways can you be like, they need to play better and yeah. more <laughs>
1: consistent? We don't even get to talk about the 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 chain. We mm-hmm. like we miss that entirely, which is such an important part of the conversation.
2: Yeah, they put all that money into the new chain, and they they it's they're taking it really seriously, and they hardly ever get to bust it out. Um, what I liked about last night's game, uh, is and what was maybe equal parts frustrating about it is that it proved that the Raptors are a good and competitive and cohesive team when they want and need to be, uh, and that usually when they want and need to be is when they're playing up to better teams uh, and the kind of the level of competition is something they think oh right like this is enough for us to get um like our energy level up you know like doing all these kinds of intangible things that win the game like being really fast in transition also not looking too ragged not throwing up too many like hail mary shots like even in a Schroeder, i thought held it together yeah he looked like Late in the game, it looked like he was trying to get, he just was trying to, he slowed himself down, I noticed, which was great. Um, But yeah, like it's, it's a frustrating thing because, and as I've seen people chatting about, and I'm sure we're going to get into, it's games like that, that you kind of understand what the front office sees and holding the best pieces of its core together and not making a move or maybe hesitating on making the moves that, you know, everyone's been critical about them not making for seasons now, because when... I think Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam combined for forty-five points. Like when That's that happens, just, sounds about
1: right. Yeah, yeah, when that 23? happens,
2: yeah. Uh, against a team like the Suns, sure they're out of point guard, but like, you know, Durant was back. Devin Booker was playing. <laughs> like those are st- still very good. Yusuf Nurkic, like, I looking incredible. A good game. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, it was a good game, and it was a good win. So, I think you see something like that, and you're like, but you can't. You can't pull that out against Bulls, the Nets,
1: <laughs> et cetera, the Nets, yeah. et cetera. <laughs> I know I I completely, I, I completely agree with you. And part of that is so, so one, not only did Siakam and Scotty combine for 45 points, but you also had Yakub chipping in 17. You had OG tipping in around 13, same with Gary Trent Jr. So you are having guys all in the teens. I think, you know, all of those numbers are going to be sort of varying, but you have guys, it felt like a cohesive game mm-hmm. where everyone won it wasn't just like oh scotty's being a superstar which he was in the fourth quarter or oh pascal's being a superstar he's going to take us home it felt more cohesive and it started on the defensive end which is so nice to see because that's how this team butters their bread <laughs> i don't know i don't know what my <laughs> saying is but like that, that's how this team is supposed to operate and that's how this team is supposed to work but also to your point of like oh you can get up and do this against the phoenix suns but where was that effort In some of these other losses, I think the fourth quarter is like where I sort of like hone in on is because they had Mm -hmm. a fourth quarter collapse against the Brooklyn Nets the night before. And in the fourth quarter uh, last night, they came out and won that game, right? Like it was Mm -hmm. tied at points in the fourth quarter and it was their execution late. A lot of that was Scotty Barnes. A lot of that, surprisingly, was Scotty Barnes leading the bench unit, which has not been a good lineup for the Toronto Raptors. And so much of that had to do with Scotty's aggressiveness, which I thought like his aggressiveness in the fourth quarter is what you want from scotty barnes night in and night out if he's going to be the star that you're building this team around you need to have that that effort there Mm -hmm. um and beyond that I i thought the like precious had a good game today like you need your other bench players to really step up that was his first double double this season um which is nice he came in for that for that last rebound to get that double double but um you need to have your guys really step up and i thought he also made a three which is which is nice hey I'll take that as well, but um, <laughs> just grabbing the amount of boards that he grabbed, just looking a more aggressive playing within himself, which is something that you're going to need from your bench players, Gary Tran Jr. hitting the shots that you're going to need Gary to hit when he's open there. Uh, it just felt more like, like I thought if, if Brooklyn felt like last year's Raptors and how disjointed they all were and how not playing like a team. Um, and it just felt like individual pieces kind of trying different things at points. Last night felt like the Raptors when they, in, in season, in last season and seasons in the past, where they look like a cohesive unit. You kind of saw both faces of the Toronto Raptors, in my opinion, in that Brooklyn Nets and in that Phoenix Suns game. And a large part of that is just credit to the whole team to just wash away what happened against Brooklyn and come out against a better team in Phoenix and and not lay another egg so that you're not on this long losing streak and actually get to snap another team's win streak, which, I mean, how often does that happen now? It doesn't feel like very often.
2: No, it really doesn't. And like, to your point, it was, it it was like banishing those ghosts. Yeah. I think of past seasons as much as it was giving us a glimpse of what this team's new identity under Darko Rakovich and this kind of pass first, a lot of steady movement. You want a 10 man lineup okay but it, it gave us a glimpse of what that can look like when everybody is actually i wouldn't even say plan on a string because i think yeah. they're individual there need to be individualized contributions For sure. um, to your point and like that seems to be when the team like works absolutely the best uh i don't think it they're actually constructed to, to kind of be under like on a string under like one or two different leaders um i think everybody when they're playing well has their own skill sets yeah. um, whether that's you know shooting as you pointed out from like Gary Trent Jr. which has been absent in a couple of games I think he just I mean like, he
1: shot was well, still like 513 but he yeah. needed the five that he hit okay <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> needed those threes you need them
2: <laughs> yeah it's like you need them um same with Precious who I know has had like a bit of a slump as yeah. well so far this season so whatever the reason for it like I choose and I'm hoping to believe it's because they're fine like this, this new concept is finally clicking for them. Um, I think I got a bit of a reality check last night because I was chatting with some people around the team and they were saying how, um, if you don't pay attention to the internet, things around the team just feel so consistently good. Like even through, even if they're like, you know, nine and 10 or whatever, like, even if they're still pretty middling, like it feels like things are changing, which I was like, that's a good I mean fans don't necessarily like to hear that but like that's a good it felt like a good reminder for me I like to hear that
1: yeah Yeah. no I think that's I think that's great to hear and I I agree with your point of like how the Raptors are meant to sort of operate um which is and this is maybe like a Nick Nurse style and they're sort of deviating from that but I also think there are going to be elements of the way that Nick Nurse coached that you're going to see seep into Darko Ryakovich's philosophy as it continues, because it's not like coaches have one set philosophy and are not able to change that to fit Mm -hmm. their roster. Um, And also Nick Nurse's philosophy outside of playing guys 45 minutes a night, (laughs) whatever it is, uh, had a lot to do with the way that this team was built, right? And so we saw a lot of mismatch hunting, because to your point, this team should attack guys in that way. They've got varying skill sets and there are going to be nights where it's just post Siakam up a ton because that's mm-hmm. going to be your that's going to be your bread and butter that's going to be the way that you get your points because of whoever it is that he has on, on him uh that night some nights it's going to be this is Scotty's run let Scotty go some nights you're going to run a ton of pick and rolls with Yakuperto there are going to be different ways to exploit um Whoever has the advantage on this Raptors team, that's why, you know, this team is not some, uh, a team that has a guy who has a 30% usage. You're going to have different guys step up on different nights. And, and that's how this team was built. And we're starting to see that. But also on the defensive end, I think part of the Nick Nurse philosophy that we started to see seep into last night's game was a lot of trapping. The mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns are a team that have three superstars, uh, although one of them, of course, Bradley Beale was out. And when you build a team in that way, you don't have the same amount of depth as some other teams. And so... The Raptors, quite often when they go up against superstar teams, at least in years past, have just trapped the stars and forced everybody out to beat them. And that's what we saw last night. We saw that a lot with Devin Booker, who struggled. Yes, he did get hurt uh, stepping on Dennis Schroeder's foot in the fourth quarter there, but he was struggling prior to that. And a large part of that was a testament to O.G. Ananobi and and Scotty Barnes. What did you see from the defensive end that the Raptors did last night that you liked?
2: Yeah, I saw a lot of that pressure and I did I did really enjoy it cuz I mean I think it was funny like pregame Frank Vogel was asked and was chatting a lot about um Devin Booker's like new budding ability as a playmaker, right? Yeah. And that being a role he's kind of had to necessarily step into. Yeah. But I think the Raptors really took advantage of the fact that it it's a still like a very green role for him, right? And not that he like completely buckled under pressure, but you know, you got a few good like whether they were turnovers or just kind of um I don't know, like rut, like forced, forced passes, kind of rush shots out of him by capitalizing on that newness.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it was a little a bit of a psychological timing. Yeah. Terrible timing for an article that came out calling Devin Booker the best point guard in the league. Yes, which, yes. Um, I think it's a great article. You guys should check it out. And he's been having an MVP caliber season, but you he go has. up against you go up against when you're having an MVP caliber season, and it will humble you <laughs> quite
2: yeah. quickly. I think it's a nice reminder, but you know that's the only way you get better, right? With that's like. True with maybe not such gentle criticism like that from OG. Um, But I thought it was good. It's funny, like yesterday, I was talking to Sean Woodley uh, on Locked on Raptors and I was actually saying, is it time to give up the Raptors as a defensive powerhouse, as this team identity that they'd kind of been holding onto since I'd say championship defense season? And then kind of definitely like under Nick Nurse, even though they didn't really look like that at all last season, (laughs) like that was not there. That was not their identity. So I thought, you know, maybe it's better for them to figure out their own new identity under Darko. What's that going to look like? It shouldn't just be a holdover. Um, that and is the true. Slashes, Until yeah. someone
1: can hit shots. I don't think it can be the offensive end. It's no, it something. can't
2: be. They got to pick something. But I think last night you saw you saw how capable and like smart the defense could be, which is something I sort of wondered. A lot of it has to do with what you had said earlier about Scotty Barnes' confidence. I yeah. think when you actually see him shine, in those roles and not shy away from, you know, bigger matchups or from kind of using his athleticism, like getting in close, like really pestering and like hanging on to guys. It right. works really well. Cause he's a big dude. Same with, I mean, Oji knows that. And like, he's kind of this specter that's still able to like stalk around and yeah. really upset, <laughs> upset offenses. So it's good to see that precious. It was like, nice to see him kind of like back in that role again, Yakub I think too was like a really nice anchor you know there have been times so far this season where it seems like I don't want to say he looks lost but maybe a little bit out of step yeah with the defense um and it didn't look like that last night it looked like they figured out okay we can have like a big guy on the post and we can also kind of rotate and move things around him so it I felt um fresh for lack of a better word yeah
1: Yeah. I agree and I agree and it's interesting to me because I completely agree with your point about like hey we call this Raptors team a good defensive team because on paper they should be a good defensive team (laughs) even last season and that is just not what they were um this year uh, by all of the metrics the the trio of OG Siakam and Scotty have looked stellar defensively but still the team is not where you would have expected them to be at the start of the season and to your point maybe we just can't hang the hat on the defensive end but also like look at Orlando and I'm like, Jeff Weltman, you know, was like looking over Masai Ujiri's shoulders as he was building that team there. And they're also building it on the defensive end. Um, and I think this Raptors team should, like that should be the goal. I think mm-hmm. it's very fair to say that's not what they are. And so we need to stop calling them that until they actually prove that they are for an entire season. But like, if that's not the goal, then you have to make some changes to better this offense because- you can pass the ball as much as you want, but you're just playing hot potato if no one can hit a shot at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so like, there just needs to be, there needs to be something there. And And I think we saw that. And I think we've seen that in some games. It's just not there consistently because what that requires is a ton of effort. I will say, I think Pascal taking less of a role on the offensive end has just made his defense look so much better. He just has the energy and the effort for it. Scotty Barnes called himself a great defender yesterday, put himself in the same category as OG Ananobi. Love to see him hang his hat on that, and I think he's been much better defensively this season, night and day compared to last year. Um, Precious Achua thinks, you know, says that he can guard off five positions and wants, and I think he called himself a top five defender in the NBA. He certainly can be, but that's got to be something that we we see him do consistently. This mm-hmm. team has the defenders to do it. They just have not done it. And I think that's a fair, fair thing to say. But when it works, it works. And they did a great job of shutting down the stars yesterday. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker didn't have the games that you wanted them to have for, for Phoenix. They had the games I wanted them to have. <laughs> um, and I, I thought Nurk had a good game. I thought, you know, he did exactly what you would have wanted Nurk to do, but um, for Phoenix at the very least. But uh, yeah, still wasn't enough to overcome the Raptors. Um, and that's exciting. It's exciting to see this team go up against some of the best teams in the NBA, seven game win streak, did not get a friendly whistle last night either, and still come out on top. Are you mm-hmm. like, does this leave you more optimistic heading, heading forward? Or are you just like, I need to see more of this? I saw some wins like this last season and it still didn't work out.
2: No, I think I'm optimistic because to me, like I made the mental choice of like severing this season from last, like new okay. coach, new page, like definitely you've still got a lot of the same cast, but they're approaching things in a, in an entirely different way. Definitely. I knew I had a feeling like it would take them a little while to figure things out. I, I thought they'd be leaning in one direction or the other by now. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of a surprise, but I think wins like last night are really important too because it that was like a win that, like a loss that stung the Suns because they yeah. were off for three days. Like yeah. they rested for three days and the Raptors didn't get back into Toronto until around 5 a.m. Which is wild. From Brooklyn, yeah, because of like plane issues. um So they were tired. They had just played a pretty intense game. Like maybe not the prettiest matchup against the Nets but it it, they kept it like both like both teams kept it pretty even so I I don't know when you see them able to kind of like turn around and then put in that that sort of effort they did last night against the Suns like that is a really that makes me feel very hopeful that they can turn it turn it on when they have to um when pride maybe is on the line a little bit but I think it's probably also a good indicator for them that like oh right like When we try really hard against really good teams and we hold the kind of like metric for ourselves up a little bit higher, we do really well. We do play up. So play up more often. Play up more often, please. (laughs)
1: Um, I wanna I wanna throw some quotes at you from Devin Booker on Darko Ryakovich that I thought were really great. Uh so he was asked about the defense that Ananobi and Scotty Barnes played on him. And uh his response was uh to of course give credit to, to OG and Scotty and their length, but also say Darko knows what he's doing over there. I've been a fan of him since he since we crossed paths, since we crossed paths when he was coaching with us. He's a high intelligent mind for the game. And then he ended up also saying that when he left to Memphis, he was like, damn, I kind of still wish we had Darko over here. <laughs> what do you think about the high praise? And called him an underrated coach, which I love when players use, and he, he mentioned that that's not a thing that's often used for coaches. It's often mm-hmm. used when talking about players, but I love it when we can recognize coaches for not only just being underrated, but also learning and growing. We kind of see coaches as a finished product, which is why the terms underrated don't come up very often. Whereas like players and coaches are similar in that. If you're new to this job, it's going to take some getting used to, and you're going to grow and you're going to get better. What are your thoughts on, on Devin Booker's high praise for Darko Ryakovich there?
2: I really like it. And I should say that what I said earlier about Devin Booker getting a lot of praise uh, for his playmaking actually came from something Darko said pregame. <laughs> so there we go. It was like, Darko I was like, this. I recognize this in you, but I'm also going to capitalize on it, <laughs>
1: <He did laughs> which did is what a good job coach of doing does. that. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did a great job of doing that.
2: <laughs> he did. Um, no, I, I love what, what you said about, um, coach, like we so often think head coaches are going to be finished products or like, because they're at that level, like they're not going to make mistakes. They're not going to learn on the job when you, especially in a situation like this, you want a head coach to kind of grow and develop alongside the team. You want them to be steering and leading the team. But I think Darko's really shown that he's also learned a lot from these guys. He's kept communication channels open, you know, he's made building back up this like community aspect of the team a real priority for himself which is i think important and yeah those are sort of like the little things that go said which is why it doesn't completely surprise me what devin booker said about it because i'm sure he did that in phoenix we know he did that in memphis too and i think teams miss that stuff when it's gone right cuz it might just seem like such a small thing but if one person is sort of the organizer of whether it's just like social get-togethers or is like the person who's always kind of going the extra step to check in with players to work with them a little bit extra which is I believe what Darko did with them and Booker when he first came to the Suns um you miss that too so I think it's really nice it's nice for him to get credit um I think I hadn't I've been pretty pleased with the criticism I think has been pretty measured for Darko I haven't seen anyone being like let's talk about firing this guy Approach, which feels like very controlled for Raptors fans so I it's true Praise I gave everybody praise for that uh, that's nicer
1: than there being in the front office
2: <laughs> yeah exactly so I mean I think it's cool I think it can reaffirm the choice that you know the front office made and in, in hiring him and he sort of reaffirms that and wins last night too so it's it's nice to get it's like it was the best of both worlds to hear something like that and then to see him be able to to pull off a win
1: yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Dennis Schroeder is a Toronto Raptor and mm-hmm. that comes down to Darko Ryakovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. Now, we talked about this team getting up uh, against uh, against better teams, against good teams. Um, something they didn't get up for a terrible transition, but we're riding with this. I haven't had my morning coffee yet. Is <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion, in my opinion, I want to throw this at you. So the in-season tournament has come and gone. The Raptors went from just not playing any in-season tournament games to every Tuesday and Friday they were playing and the their courts were were super pretty. But um what do you think of the Raptors first in-season tournament? Let's start there because in my opinion, they got up against the Phoenix Suns but they didn't get up for the in-season tournament. What are your thoughts?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was honestly surprised. I think um the the Grace, I will give them, is it may have felt weird to be the last team. Like, a lot of teams had almost played, like, all of their games by the time the Raptors played their first in-season tournament game. So some of the momentum that was getting carried around maybe didn't – not that it got lost on them, but it was late to start. Um, But that's the only nice thing I'll say. The rest of it, I was kind of shocked that they didn't take advantage of the opportunity for what it was. You know, like, you see teams, like – orlando and the pacers who might be a year or or like a season more or maybe two for orlando one for the pacers into their development and their like you know their identity is a lot more secure uh, in terms of
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: but they took advantage of that stage and yeah. I think recognized it that like, you know, realistically, are they going to get very, are those teams going to get very far in the playoffs this season? Probably not. I mean, they'll probably make it, but like this was the stage to kind of compete and feel that sort of like good pressure and almost like cast ahead and, and think like, what would What is a playoff situation going to feel like and how is our team going to respond to it? So like good reps, right? Like good practice yeah. a- ahead of that that point. Uh, and I thought it would be something that the Raptors would rise to similarly do. and they didn't. So it was a bummer <laughs> to see, you know, the Pacers thrive. And like this, this might seem secondary, but because, you know, there were just more eyeballs on the in-season tournament games in terms of results. I think after their first two games, the eyeballs definitely... away from toronto but like more people are now talking about the pacers more people are now talking about the magic um which also does mean something yeah whether you like it or not so i thought they would recognize that too uh but it it generally was a bit surprising that they weren't able to whether it was just like get it together in time like feel kind of the, the momentum and the pressure i just thought they treated them like antithetical to what it was supposed to be which was like tuesday and thursday night games in november yeah (laughs) that's how they treated them that's how they really
1: felt it felt like oh it's just one of 82 um that's that's entirely how it felt and i'm i'm gonna be honest i i one of my biggest criticisms of darko ryakovich this season has been the boston celtics game i thought that Mm -hmm. that was not coached like a must win game um and and part of the excitement about the in-season tournament and I think across the league it has worked I think across the league it has been successful you mentioned it with Orlando and Indiana Orlando's been my favorite team to watch throughout these in-season tournament games um as a Raptor fan it's been kind of brutal but um uh just watching the Orlando Magic play would have been tons of fun the Indiana Pacers are just if you like offense and no defense they're just uh tune in to they're Indiana Pacer games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so so um to me, starting with that Boston game where you lose a heartbreaker, for one, can I just say this, Toronto? You had two chances to knock Boston out of the in-season tournament and blew both of them. What are mm-hmm. we doing here? You had <laughs> two chances to do it, and you blew both of them. You owe Orlando an apology because they should be, uh, the the main team there, whereas everybody else should be fighting for a wild card spot. But anyway, uh, so so they lose that game, and, and that to me, starting with Darko benching Pascal for the entire second quarter I thought was uh not a good idea Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I did not think that that was a good idea uh and then of course in the final few minutes having a foul to give and letting Scotty just sort of sit waiting for the the play to stop so that he could check in again not a good idea and I think in a playoff scenario those are two things that would have never happened Mm -hmm. and so to me if I'm looking at just the game against Boston in November, sure, fine. But if we're treating this like, hey, this rappers team, who knows, might not make the playoffs. This is your mm-hmm. chance to show that you, for for a team that could very well be blown up at any point this season, it's on them to prove that they don't deserve to be blown up. It's on them to prove that they can actually win, and I thought the in-season tournament was the perfect place to do that it's happening in november before any changes to the roster being made and you can prove that you're just as competitive as any of these other teams when you get up for a game do it in november do it for the in-season tournament the the nba just gifted you an opportunity to do it and instead from the coaching staff right down to the players because oh you got to criticize them for the other games the rest of the games (laughs) in the in-season tournament um they, they just weren't there. I didn't think anyone really got up for it. They felt lethargic. I, I don't know why you're only getting up for games in the second half or in the fourth quarter alone when the game is out of reach. That's got to be something this team knocks out. It's something that we've seen in the early ends of the season. You've had multiple come from 20 points down games to start the year out. That is not a normal thing. And you can't continue to just have these lethargic slow starts and then just turn it on in the fourth quarter and if you're going up against the Wizards maybe you win it but if you're going (laughs) up against the Celtics you're probably going to lose that one right um or even the Brooklyn Nets for that matter so so yeah so I just I thought they they didn't take it seriously and I thought it was a perfect opportunity for them to take it seriously they also had the best courts out of everybody else so like hey why not we (laughs) could have seen more of those courts and instead they chose to rob us from that which is another you know gifting gifting boston you know an in-season tournament and also robbing us of those courts those are two grave grave sins
2: they are they are um especially in toronto now i think um like your point about them leaving everything to the fourth is really apt because a really good team could do that but they've shown you know they're just not or a team there team against
1: yet. the washington wizards
2: yeah exactly against the wizards but like they're really not there which isn't a knock it's it's being realistic right like they need yeah. to play to their strengths which is what we saw last night is like you play consistently throughout all four quarters you still give yourself room to like have a bit of a slump or you know a, a, the the suns could go on a little bit of a run or whoever can go on a little bit of a run and you'll be able to make it up yeah. and get back with effort but you can't close like a 20 point this team can't close a 20 point gap because it requires everyone to be shooting the lights out not just one or two people and they're just like we talked about earlier like teams not constructed that way so it was yeah i just like i expected more for them i thought they'd kind of be a bit bit more gung-ho about the opportunity to to win and kind of show up and i don't I don't want to try like I'm not trying to read too far into it and be like is this like does this team have the desire and the grit and the will to do that because I think you know in the wins we're seeing that they do yeah um yeah I mean I'm not I talked to some coaches and they were like we want to win they're like that's a lot of money I don't care how much you make already like we want to win so the desire was there It just like maybe it, it just didn't get executed
1: fair and that's fair I I just here, here's my thing I, I kind of look at this Raptors team you're right they're not a team that can just out shoot or outscore anyone in the fourth quarter and, and take it home if they do great it's going to be a once in I don't know 20 games thing where you're finding that it's not going to be consistent and I, I look at a team like the Orlando Magic they're not a team that has a ton of shot creation right mm-hmm. like they they've got they've got Cole, they've got, you know, Franz, they've got guys who can do it, but they don't, they're a team that is built on the defensive end and they're a team that you can look at the Raptors-Orlando game and see from the start, from tip-off, they just played harder. They just played with more force. They defended better. They were running. Like, it just felt like a team that took five-hour energy and a team that <laughs> just woke up. <laughs> like And If the Raptors, because Orlando was sort of built in the, you know, under the same sort of fashion as the Toronto Raptors, you have to win in the same ways. And we know that because we've seen the Raptors team at their best. And when they're at their best, it's with energy and it's with effort. It is with execution as well. It's about not being sloppy with the ball. It is about running harder than the other team and playing Playing more aggressively and with more effort. That's how this Raptors team was built. And I think there's a lot of faults. And we can talk about, you know, the issues and the way that they were built. But, you know, people talk about that ad nauseum. A large part of what makes this Raptors team good or what can make this Raptors team good is by out-efforting, by Mm out-hustling, and really by defending. That's why this team needs to be built on the defensive end because effort is defense, right? Like you're you're a good defensive team if you have the effort. You also need to have the length and you also need to have the size and the quickness, but the Raptors have that in spades. They just need to have the effort and when they do do that, there's no reason why they can't be along with Orlando in the top three Um, defensive efficiency in this league it's just they're not bringing that consistently and that's that's a conversation that has nothing to do with the in-season tournament and just sort of my my overall issues with this Toronto Raptors team is like Mm -hmm. you're not going to be the best offensive team you you don't have the amount of shot creation that these other teams have but you've got some of the best defenders if not the best defender in the NBA there's no reason why you can't just do that on one end and let it turn into your offense which granted not the darko philosophy and it's going to take a while to work this all in but I do think that effort is not something that you coach effort is just something that players have mm-hmm. uh and it's it's been a bummer to see that but like whatever the in season tournament has come and gone what are your thoughts about like the the end season tournament for the rest of the teams like did you enjoy it was it something that you think you you're you like that the NBA has implemented
2: yeah, I was a bit skeptical at first because I'm kind of like, why do you need to gamify a game Fair already? <laughs> um, but I think it's like, it's shown, it's shown its worth and the the level of excitement is kind of drummed up uh, for teams, you know, like seeing, I loved seeing the Kings beat the Warriors. Yeah. Like, I really love that rivalry. And I just like the juxtaposition of these two teams that are kind of at like, opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of where they are um one going up one kind of like maybe sliding down uh so Mm. i think it it highlighted some problems or it it highlighted like some of those mismatches that you wouldn't really see until maybe the postseason or later on in the season Um, which is cool because I also think, you know, from a, like a nerdy technical standpoint, it also gives teams opportunities to adjust and to like, maybe yeah. look at something like whether that's through development, whether that's through acquisition, whether that's like looking at midseason trades, I'm kind of curious if there's like a trickle down effect of this. Like, do you yeah. see more mid-season movement because of something like the in-season tournament where it's yeah, possible, valid. um, so yeah, I think I thought it was, and it was like just generally fun. It it felt like I
1: thought so too. Yeah,
2: especially the last night when you're like, okay, there's eight, was it eight, eight games like going on, you yeah. know, and like and could point just differential
1: be, really mattered.
2: Flip yeah, like flipping. I I can't say like the rules, the general rules are very clear to me, but like the point differential stuff, I was like I'm I'm happy to leave that in somebody else's hands. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it was a success in terms of what the NBA wanted. I'd be curious to see like viewership numbers through the first round. Yeah. Um. But I wonder like if it will continue to kind of ramp up in these next like knockout rounds and then you know with the the finals or whatever. But you know, I think Vegas. it's cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh. I. I yeah. I'm completely with you on that. I. I. I also just like, it's more content in November. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is great, but like. There's been so much talk about point differential. We've had Damar, who was very upset with the Raptors, for trying to run up a score. Darko Rayakovic, who also like you and myself, not sure totally gets the rules because he yeah. was like, We're running up the score because of the end season tournament. No, nope. <laughs> not, not not valid because the Raptors had already been knocked out. Um, it happened earlier that day. But um, yeah, no, it's just it's funny. Uh, since then, you know, Jason Tatum has come out against the, the point differential thing. Devin Booker came out in favor of it. What is your take on this whole thing? Do you think it's as big of a deal as most NBA players are making it? Bam, no, also I th- against it.
2: Yeah, I think um, it's to me is a little bit confusing. It sometimes just seems like more saltiness if you lost a game and are maybe a little bit embarrassed about losing the game, which is why like kudos to Devin Booker again. And I think that loss really stung phoenix but you know for him to still be able to be like you know it's a it's a game and like yeah. if everyone is in agreement kind of like that that's the level of competition on the floor then it's all sort of fair it's all sort of fair game i mean i get the respect thing like not that i don't li- not like seeing sometimes a dunk at the very end of the game when a team is winning yeah by a lot I get the disrespect in a move like that, but like, you know, the other night, like that Nets game is a perfect example. I mean, the Raptors lost, so maybe it's not a perfect example, but when OG hit that like beautiful three-point shot from the corner at the buzzer, I would have loved that as much as if the Raptors won and were winning before he made that shot is when they, it sucked that they they were losing. But um, that's always something that I've been a bit confused about. I think it it maybe can come down to what the final sort of like scoring movement is like, yeah, a dunk a dunk in an open court, like unguarded floor is one thing, but a three point shot or something when like, you know, the whole team's in like both sides are in transition and it's actually just like, you're, you're playing down to the last second. I'm for that.
1: I'm for that too. To me, honestly, the point differential thing, and as someone who loves doing magic numbers at the end of the season to see what teams need to qualify, I just think it's fun. Um, I'm going to be honest the point differential thing confusing to me I'm I like I can get games but once you start getting into points I'm I need to bring out my calculator but um I I have to say it's fun it's like I want to watch a game to the final minute I want to watch a game to the final second and also like in general outside of the NBA in-season tournament kind of like the idea of like like one of my favorite games of all time in Raptors history was when they were beating the Bucks by like 50 points and it was Bruno Caboclo's rookie season and the whole arena was chanting for Bruno yeah I remember that (laughs) right it was such a fun game and like when you have moments like that you want to see those end of the bench guys those guys who are rookies who are just sort of finding their way come in and try to score this is also their time to earn nba contracts this is their time to 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 shine and i'm i'm all for it i'm always all for it i think people who are like oh respect the game if you played better for the first 46 minutes of the game you wouldn't be mad at anything happening in the final two minutes of the game that's my take on it so you need to respect the game Demar Derozan, rosen by not trying to lose by like 20 points to the toronto raptors <laughs> that's, that is my take on on that i want to i want to leave you with one final thing that uh, about the end season tournaments what are your thoughts on the courts, do you have a favorite outside of, of course, Dallas, who did not get to have their court because of issues? Um, did you did you have a favorite uh, in season tournament court?
2: Well, I hope they get them figured out, like, the slipperiness thing. Yeah, yeah. Which I've heard was due to the court surface is just paint versus paint versus veneer over paint, which is usually okay. what a normal, like, regular season court looks like. So I would assume they'll get that sorted out. Um, but I liked them. There were, it was like, an, it was also kind of a reminder. Cause there'd be some, you know, there's like days when you're like, you've had a crazy day. You sit down and watch a game. You turn on yeah the, your TV and you're like, Oh yeah, this insane court is going. It's in season tournament. Like I forgot it was Tuesday. I forgot it was Thursday, you know? Right. So like, that was sort of like a cool visual cue, but it's a different, like different stakes. I think I really liked, um, I know no one else liked this, but I really liked the extremely garish teal Pacers Court. It was really? very gross, but I liked it. Oh. I think I like Iman, I think I only liked the craziest ones. Like I liked the sun's weird like awful purple um, bubblegum purple one. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, okay, that's, you got to see the Raptors one in person. What did that look like? Because to me, Raptors. They, they the best court. I thought that they looked better in photos than they did during the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe had to do with like hey, if you could get, you know, people were saying to to get those uh, the theater lights uh and different things like that just to mm. make it look cooler. But um yeah, I just thought in photos beautiful. In the game still the best one in my opinion. The Bulls' the worst.
2: I'm too red, speaking. the red ones were too red. So red, and I think did something like psychological to like people were getting oh, mad, red. people were getting angry. <laughs> like it
1: was, it was, games. yeah. And also, here's the thing as someone who, like, I feel like if I were on any of those courts that are incredibly red, or also you can't really see the sidelines and the baseline because mm-hmm. the out of bounds is the same color as the court and it's just a line. I would be so scared I think I would I would lose the ball on every possession or I would just like stay in that center from like paint to paint <laughs> like I can't like the rest of it is lava I cannot this step on zone. any of it yeah. <laughs> yeah like I don't um I don't know some of those courts were, were hideous um the the Pacers one, that's interesting. That's one of my least favorite, along with the bulls, which is oh it's
2: ugly. Oh, like I goodness. totally it is so ugly. But I guess my <laughs> thought, like the Raptors one definitely looks slick, but I think did it look it,
1: good in, in person? Sorry, I asked that and then It did look talking.
2: good in person. Okay. No, no, it did it did look good in person. Um it got really I don't know with the black, it showed a lot of scuffs. Mm. So like footprints, like shoe prints, dust, um, maybe more right. than some of the other ones.
1: Right. But Not yeah,
2: exactly. it looked good in person. I think if you're going to do it, then you got to make it really over the top, which is probably why I liked the ugliest courts. The valid. Most. Um, that, like, the only thing Utah's, I didn't. What was that? No. What was Utah's again? It was really purple. Really? Oh yeah. Really purple. I like the, I think I like the sun's purple better. Um, I didn't like the coaching staff's like adjacent gold uniforms because it's mm, not yes. really gold they're like kind of wearing mustard
1: that's valid I, so. here's my thing my my biggest complaint about all of it my biggest complaint about the end season tournament is i don't understand how the groups are created they're very confusing if you mm-hmm. just broke them down by division division would make sense yes. like exactly. five teams in a division <laughs> you don't have to get super it's not super complicated already i think the groups all have three teams from one division in them and then two randos if you're already doing that, you might as well. Divisions, for the most part, are broken down by geography, so it makes sense a little bit there as well. So that's my number one thing. My number two is if you're not going to do that, if for whatever reason the the brains of the NBA are like can't do that, okay, well then make the colors the same for the groups. Give Group B a color, and then the courts and the jerseys, because. Half of these colors do not actually correspond with the team's Mm -hmm. jerseys. Like Mm -hmm. the Washington Wizards look like the Charlotte Hornets. The Boston Celtics look like the Milwaukee Bucks. It's all very confusing. So like make the groups have a set color. And then everyone in that group's jerseys and courts have to be some variation of those colors. That would make a lot. That would make a lot of sense to me. Does that make sense to you? Or do you think that's bad? no that that makes sense yeah that makes sense i think i would like to for the group so i know oh this is red okay they're in group a i see what's happening here
2: yeah uh that would also be kind of funny because it would almost like democratize you know it's like we're we all look the same (laughs) and we're gonna just like it really comes down to play (laughs) um a cool change next season maybe would be to because the one thing when you were saying like why did they do why didn't they just do divisions and I was thinking about it's like you know maybe to mix it up for them so it feels some it feels different it doesn't just feel like oh we have another game against these teams that we play so much during the season anyway um would be to like rotate divisions next year so I mean you still couldn't really do like east west teams just probably because of travel Travel. unless it was already built into the schedule um but that might be cool because then you could really switch it up and like like, i like
1: that i I like the idea of just some sort of change just change things up nba but like if divisions exist if you're going to decide that divisions still need to exist make them matter in some way and the in-season tournament was your perfect gift to do that the nba couldn't take advantage of it just like the Raptors couldn't take advantage of it oh well (laughs) Katie, thank you so much for joining me do you have anything you have to want to plug
2: before you before you leave um uh, no, I'll just plug um basketball feelings, um, basketball So the last podcast there I had Henry Abbott of Drew Hoop On. We had a really good conversation. Some 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 good gossip, some funny Ooh. things you overheard in ESPN locker rooms. Um, you know, some interesting talk about oh like very selfish NBA owners plus just like general state of the league stuff. But uh yeah, you can subscribe and listen to the podcast if you want. You can subscribe and read the newsletter.
1: Definitely recommend you guys do that. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great week.